I love my husband, and I love God. But my life is financed by crime. His crime. Who is the TV anti-hero? Underneath the layers of lies and pretending, his wife can tell us. She's an extension of his self-image, a physical manifestation of his desires, and a mirror of him in the home. As the anti-hero took over our screens in the early 2000s with iconic leads like The Sopranos' Tony Soprano, Mad Men's Don Draper, and Breaking Bad's Walter White, their wives Carmella, Betty, and Skylar didn't just add complexity to their husbands' characters, they were complex, fascinating women in their own right. As far as I'm concerned, as long as men look at me that way, I'm earning my keep. As an emblem of domesticity, the anti-hero's wife enables him to self-identify as a family man and pretend that all his misdeeds are for the good of his wife and kids. But they also serve to highlight that however much these men claim that their wrongdoing is separate from their unviolated, pure family home, it's impossible to cleanly close the door on dirty business and retreat into the realm of pure domesticity. Rather, the anti-hero's life is a complicated, interconnected web, and his wife and children are inextricably caught, sometimes even actors in it. I have forsaken what is right for what is easy, allowing my children to be a part of it because I wanted things for them. Ultimately, this figure demonstrates that what we do out in the world is part of our home life and vice versa. Here's our take on how the anti-hero wife's internal conflicts play out in the domestic sphere, who she is as a mother, and how our culture is updating this trope so she can take center stage. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified about all of our new videos. I've got this really cool new subscription service, Scentbird. An incredible fragrance subscription service that delivers new scents to your door every month. This one is Confessions of a Rebel, Let's Be Real. Should we try it? Yeah, let's try it, okay. Ooh, this makes me feel very powerful. This feels very much like a fall scent, doesn't it? Mm. Imagine wearing it while you're posing up. I have a feeling of like you're being wrapped in cashmere. Gucci. This is very floral. Scentbird carries so many top designer brands. It's such a luxury, such a little pleasure to kind of unwrap it. And what is your scent for this month? I love these canisters. You kind of twist them and then pull it out. It's quite a lot. It's about like a month's supply. This could be a whole new opportunity to try out scents that might carry my same signature identity or feel like it represents me, but then I can still change up. So I'm really excited. Andy Warhol actually said that he would change his perfume constantly. He wanted to capture that period of his life. So there's this idea of you change your scent to capture these memories to freeze a moment in time. And with Scentbird, if you really love the smell, you can also order a larger bottle. I don't really know how to pick a scent. You can take the quiz. The quiz was so cool. It tells you, is this a match for you, your personality, and what you want for that season or for that moment? It can tell me what I want, but I don't know that I want. It's just kind of this nice little thing you can do for yourself. I think we all deserve that right now. I always thought it would be a great birthday Go ahead, try it out. It's just $16 a month, but with our code, you can get it for only $11 for your first month. Click the link in the description below and use our code, the take, for 30% off. The anti-hero's wife often throws his villainy into sharp relief. Sometimes she's an extension of him, the thing that legitimizes him. Rita, we're connected. 
You're what makes me real. Other times, she's his unwelcome conscience. Occasionally, she's more of an antagonist, the anti to an anti-hero. To better understand her, we're going to take a closer look at three of TV's best-loved and hated wives from the peak prestige anti-hero era. Carmela Soprano marked new territory for on-screen mob wives in her understanding of and complicity with the shady world of gangsterism. The only reason you have anything is because of my f***ing sweat, and you know every step of the way exactly how it works. Prior to Carmela, the mob wife was often a symbol of purity, an opposing force to her husband, and because she often knows little of the details of his business, a shield between his evil and the innocence of his children. In the Godfather series, Michael Corleone's wife Kay is not Italian, and therefore an out Outsider, and depicted as a morally upright obstacle to his sinister business. Michael, is it true? Don't ask me about my business, Kate. Is it true? Carmela postures as pure in a similar way, making a dramatic show of her Catholicism, immaculate house and manners. As Catholics, we uh, place a great deal of stock in the sanctity of the family. But her responsibility to her faith rarely goes deep enough to challenge the immorality on which she knows her financial security depends. You know, I'd go to my priest and I would cry and say how bad I felt about how my husband made his money, but that was bullshit. In fact, Carmela goes so far as to twist her religion into an excuse to stay with Tony. My priest said I should try and work with him, help him to be a better man. Ultimately, her devotion to God is revealed to be a hollow part of a facade she creates to imply she is morally superior to Tony, when really she she loves the benefits being his wife brings and is, in her core choices, the same as him. Tony goes to lengths to keep his wife and home life separate and unsoiled by his business dealings or his numerous affairs. And we can see how livid Carmela is at the violation when he fails to. You have made a fool of me for years with these whores. Now it's coming to our home? Even though she knows what he's up to, being openly confronted with the fact of it is too much for her, because her whole life depends on layers of denial, an act of purity and respectability that allows her to pretend the underlying foundation of violence and sin isn't there. But all that messy overlap, the fact that Tony's home is not protected from his immoral and dangerous life outside of it, is representative of the stain Tony's dealings inflict on the entire family. Did the Cusimano kids ever find $50,000 in Krugerrands and a 45 automatic while they were hunting for Easter eggs? Carmilla does have a genuine desire to be virtuous inside of her, sometimes has periods where she doubts her life choices, considers leaving Tony, or is capable of a deeper reflectiveness on life and death. He came out of the coma for a minute and he said, who am am I? Where am I going? I feel the same way. But ultimately, her bursts of flirting with being good or better also make her like Tony. Both spend a lot of time in the show weighing up psychological, emotional, or moral improvement, but in the end commit to a path of being corrupted, ruthless, and selfish. And while it's easy to say we'd never do what Tony does, it might be easier for viewers to see parts of themselves in Carmella. If we had her house and her money and comforts, with occasional pangs of guilt, would we really take the leap to change our situation or do the right thing? On my second date, he brought me and my mother each a dozen roses and a, my father a $200 power drill. I knew that behind that power drill, there was probably some guy with a broken arm, you know, or, or worse. Ultimately, through Carmela, the show paints a portrait of how American materialist, consumerist culture relies on overlooking a lot of details of where wealth comes from. Carmela counters the assumption made by many an anti-hero, and if we're honest, many of us, that work can be kept separate from the home life. That what we do out in the world doesn't have to be part of who we are in private with our families. 
But the evil we do out in the world follows us home and shapes who we and our family are everywhere. Outwardly, Dawn and Betty are the perfect pair. And it makes sense that a guy as slick as Dawn would pick a wife like Betty, a former model from a wealthy wasp family who puts infinite energy into appearing the seemingly perfect housewife. Having a woman like Betty on his arm is Dawn's ultimate legitimization, an announcement that he belongs in the upper echelons of American society, somewhere he's always felt he couldn't fit in. She's from a good family and she's educated. But even though Betty's waspy eliteness is Don's means of assimilating, she also reflects his internal struggle of feeling like a fraud. Don is a fraud in the literal sense. After all, Don Draper is a stolen identity, and Betty is an emotional fraud. She creates a perfect facade, but underneath, she is deeply unhappy and feels out of control. Are you unhappy? Of course I'm happy. Betty's form of domestic anti-heroism, then, is the way in which she chooses appearance over deeper, more meaningful connection, something we're always told is corruptive. Betty also appreciates Dawn for surface-deep beauty and the way she knows their joint aesthetic is enviable to the world. Yet he's a caricature of a Casanova and can't ever make her happy. You never say you love me. She's also so preoccupied with what she looks like to others that she is incapable of expressing herself or truly understanding her own emotions though she remains passive-aggressive to the end. It's your child bride she wants to spend time with. After divorcing Don and giving up this pursuit of perfect imagery, she becomes a little more able to call him on his behavior, express her desires, and indulge in her fantasies. In season six, she actually becomes his other woman. With her second husband, Henry, Betty experiences being loved for more than her appearance. We actually see her eating, something she never seemed to do with Don. Mommy doesn't like to eat. And when she puts on weight, mostly due to a tumor in her thyroid, Henry is just as accepting of how she looks. It's nice to be put through the ringer and find out I'm just fat. I don't see it. Still to her, her weight gain feels like a loss of self. Once she loses the weight, she regains confidence, as if feeling like her own person again. Look at me. Can you believe I've had three children? Whereas Dawn does make some strides in self-acceptance by the finale, Betty remains still so wrapped up in her beauty as her identity that she continues to represent that choice of living for appearance until her tragic early death. Where Carmella and Betty reflect and mirror their husbands, Skylar is an example of how the wives of antiheroes can oppose their husbands. Someone has to protect this family from the man who protects this family. Show creator Vince Gilligan was actually shocked at the level of vitriol that Skylar and Anna Gunn, the actress who played her, received from some viewers. But while the show's writing is critical of Walt, it's also built into the show's structure that morally upright Skylar, not unlike Kay in the Godfather series, is anti the high-octane drama Walt creates. She wants the good man she married back, but if she gets him, there's no show. At the beginning of the show, Walt works hard to protect Skylar's innocence, and her personality is a great illustration of how out of character Walt's business interests initially are for him. It's unfathomable to Skylar, for example, that Walt could even be smoking marijuana. He sells you pot. Are you out of your mind? let alone anything more sinister. The scene where he finally reveals the truth highlights their fundamentally different approaches to ethics. Walt sees his meth production as a complicated decision he's had to make due to intelligently weighing a number of factors. There are a lot of angles to this, okay? It's complicated. But Skylar, acting as a much more rigid moral compass, sees it as a matter of right and wrong. You're a drug dealer. 
After he uses intimidation to prevent her from divorcing him, she eventually, due to a combination of Stockholm Syndrome and her natural instincts to fix messes, becomes enmeshed in his business. She directs her detail-oriented intelligence toward legitimizing the money he earns. Using the car wash to money launder is her idea. Took the seed money you won gambling, you invested it in the car wash that you helped run for four years, you hired your wife as a bookkeeper because guess what? She's actually a bookkeeper. But in these later seasons, Skylar is increasingly fragile, lost, and emotionally underwater. Despite Walt's fake justifications of cooking meth to provide for Skylar and the kids, in the end, Skylar doesn't even want the money. Where is the money? I gave it to Ted. And ends up with worse than nothing, fighting public shame and illegal threats. All she ever wanted was a loving, safe suburban life with her family, the thing Walt said he cared about but actually actively destroyed. So her ravaged, broken state in the end is all the more devastating, forcing Walt to stare at the choice he made, to sacrifice his family in his quest for power. We're a family! The anti-hero wife is also typically an anti-hero mom, and it's often when it comes to their children that these women tend to most imitate their husband's ruthless gangster tactics. Carmela, the gangster mom, is the prime example of this. Just as Tony or any mafioso uses force or the threat of fear and violence to muscle others into doing what he wants, when someone doesn't want to write a college letter of recommendation for Meadow, Carmela makes it known she's not asking. I don't think you understand. Excuse me? I said I want you to write the letter. Are you threatening me? And Anthony Jr.'s teacher accuses her of sleeping with him to help Anthony at school and improve his college prospects. I think you're a user, Carmela. What? Maybe you saw an opportunity in me and you just took what you needed. Even though she starts seeing him due to seemingly genuine feelings, she thinks nothing of pressing him for increasingly demanding favors to benefit her son. Do you think Union College is a good place for AJ? Uh, I don't know. It could be. Maybe you could tell them how he's a lot like you were when you were his age. And it's telling that Carmela is so used to her mafia world that she just thinks this is the normal way people operate. In Ozark, the first hints we see of Wendy Bird's ruthless descent into anti-heroism also come when her children are threatened. You f with my daughter, you come near my house again. It'll be you the vultures are picking at. This scene where Wendy threatens the Langmore boys over the intimidation of her kids comes after she's gone to absurdly extreme lengths to find a particular ice cream flavor her daughter likes, and even lashes out at a supermarket employee over it. I'm sorry, I drove an hour and a half to come to this particular supermarket because one of your employees, they told me that you had pistachio ice cream. Yes, ma'am, I understand. No, I don't think you do! It's an illustration of the double standards of both anti-hero parents' personalities. They can justify all kinds of bad behavior if they're acting for their families. But for the anti-hero mom, that ferocity can be especially strong when linked to a primal urge to protect her kids. In the kitchen, after Kathy's husband endangers their children as part of a power grab. You put your ego before our children's safety. This marks a turning point in her transition into a full, cold-blooded gangster herself. The reason is maternal rather than business. Of course, not all anti-hero mothers are animated by the desire to protect their kids. For example, the American's anti-hero matriarch, Russian spy Elizabeth, uses her all-American kids as part of her seamless assimilation into life in the U.S. 
Elizabeth is shown to be more committed to Russia than her husband is. She's an ideologue, eternally returning to her mission. And as her marriage is a part of her espionage, her motherhood, although biological, often seems like a furthering of her disguise. Behind some anti-heroes is the anti-hero mom as villain. Mad Men made a joke of how terrible a mother Betty Draper was. I'm going to break your arm next. And some viewers vilified her for it, even though Dawn was just absent and not even trying. But perhaps the best example of this trope is Olivia Soprano. I could stick this fork in your eye! Arguably, the ultimate anti-hero's wife in The Sopranos is Tony's father's wife, his mother, Livia. His psychologist, Dr. Melfi, proffers that Tony seeks relationships with women who remind him of his mother. I didn't just meet you. I've known you my whole life. My mother was just like you. Bottom was black hole. And in the prequel movie The Many Saints of Newark, many viewers notice the younger incarnation of Livia in the movies looks a lot like Carmela. Livia is fearsome, but her means of violence are psychological. She manipulates her children and resents being confined to the domestic sphere. You know, everybody thought Dad was the ruthless one, but I gotta hand it to you. If you'd been born after those feminists, you would have been the real gangster. Despite perhaps resembling Livia and also having those gangster instincts, in some ways, Carmela is Tony trying to get away from his childhood life. The beautiful, manicured wife with a lavish lifestyle and a palatial home is both a symbol of how well he's done for himself and a stable, reliable presence unlike his mother. Despite your mothering, you made one good decision in your life vis-a-vis -vis women. You're not gonna throw that over. Tony has spent years trying to get his mother to love him the way he wants her to, and she repays him by almost getting him whacked. So while Tony is the anti-hero of the piece, it's Livia who's the bad guy, to the point that the audience is almost rooting for Tony when he goes to smother her in the hospital. In recent anti-hero shows, we're being treated to an ever more nuanced portrayal of the home as a microcosm of the wider world. While the complex anti-hero wives of the early 2000s began to articulate the ways in which criminality enters the domestic sphere, shows like Ozark give us a full-blown nuclear family crime business. Arguably, Wendy Bird is not an anti-hero's wife, but the show's lead anti-hero. She's even deeper in and more natural at the mob mentality than her numbers man husband Marty, and way more likely to get her hands dirty. You're not just involved with the cartel, you are the cartel. She even engages her kids in the family's criminal activity. Would it be possible to open an offshore account with that? You want to launder money through no. it? No. I can do it. Just this once. Her descent from stay-at-home mom into the cartel also highlights the way that power can become intoxicating, especially for women who felt impotent in or unsuited to a more traditional housewife role. Elsewhere, and Kevin can f himself, the Kevin character, who has emerged in different incarnations since the advent of the sitcom, isn't the hero but the villain of the piece. You're gonna have to come up in 45 with a beer and a sandwich. He's a boorish, selfish, controlling misogynist with very little care for his wife. He didn't like something that was my own, and so he took it away from me. Like my friends, like any shred of life that is my own. As she slowly realizes how terrible he is and makes her own plan to kill him, Allison becomes an unlikely anti-hero, getting us to actively root for her to kill this man who has kept her down. Each anti-hero is of their time. Tony Soprano symbolized the richness and excess of the late 90s. Walter White represented a post-crash anti-hero. Allison is the anti-hero for the post-hashtag-MeToo era. No longer does the anti-hero's wife have to be a reflection of him or limit her transgressions to the domestic realm. When a wife or mother is centered in the anti-heroic family story, we uncover different motivations and different modus operandi, yielding new insights about the ways we all might break bad.
This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and culture. Subscribe so you can watch all of our videos.